When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to episode 287 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network presented by Justice Dental. We've got a big show breaking down Kentucky's exhibition opening win versus Georgetown. We'll also talk about Orlando Antigua and some, some comments that, that he made to the media today as Kentucky gears up for its final tune-up. Before the regular season starts next week, Kentucky will host Kentucky State at Rep Arena Thursday. But before we get started, a quick message from our friends at Justice Dental. Sources say it's presented by the great team at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling or texting 859-543-0700. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Sean Smith, joined once again by my guy, Zach Gagan of Kentucky Sports Radio. Zach, uh, back for round two. Back for round two and uh, better than ever. So Jack Pilgrim better. I think his seat's getting a little warm. So he better uh, he better shove that baby to the side and get back into the game here. And uh, we had a good episode last week. I, I thought I we thought so. yeah. I thought it was a good flow. We 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 talked a lot about what we were going, what we're expecting to see from Kentucky at Rupp Arena, and the result is what we expected. Mm-hmm. Tight game at halftime. I mean, it's close. It was uh, Georgetown come out play with a lot of energy. And I think that's the, the the probably the takeaway from the from the first half there. I, I didn't overreact to what we saw, just because it is as exhibition season. It is a brand new group of Kentucky players. I know we got to see them in Canada. We saw them at the Blue White game, but getting out there, playing against some some other guys at Rupp Arena for the first time, in something that feels like real season basketball. I, I think there were some nerves there, but oh, yeah. Kentucky did get the win. And, and and look, it, it was a lot cleaner than some of the exhibition I saw last year. Kentucky struggled to score the ball in an exhibition at Rupp Arena a year ago. So that that was not a problem. On Friday night, they put up 92 points, won 92 to 69, took care of business in the second half, got off to a good start there, and then kind of rode that momentum home, Zach. Uh, just some initial takeaways before we really dive into some things. I'll be quite honest with you. I honestly forget everything we said seven days ago. But I do remember one of, one of the main things was we were kind of worried about the defense. I think the main thing I wanted to see was Georgetown not score 80 points. Uh, they had 69. It looks like they you know split right down the middle, both halves, 34 and 35. Um, I think we wanted them to get maybe a 33, something like that around there. They ended up uh, shooting 22. So it was a little bit low in that. Um, it definitely just took them a while to get rolling. I think that was kind of the main thing. And and I think that had more to do with Georgetown's approach as opposed to Kentucky's approach because you had 10 of 12 kids on that team, or I, I might be 10, maybe nine, eight, something like that. But the majority of that team was Kentucky grown kids. And a lot of them might have been playing in Rep Arena for the first time. And that's, and you know, when you get an opportunity like that, you're going to come out and you're going to try and smack these kids in the face. And I say kids because Kentucky was rolling out, you know, five, six freshmen for that game. And they clearly weren't necessarily, I don't want to say underprepared, but that was definitely a welcome to college basketball moment for them that, you know, even an NAIA team that's as good as them, they can come out and they can, they can hang with you. So you have to, you know, be locked in. And I think that in that sense, 
that first half was a good learning experience for Kentucky because then we saw at halftime that I, I, that it was a big thing in the uh, in the post game uh, press. You probably remember Sean, where Cal was like, "I'm loving this." As he came into the locker room, he said, "I'm loving all this stuff." And normally, I I take that stuff with a grain of salt when he says something like that. But then Jordan Burke said the exact same thing. He said, "Cal came in. He's like, I'm loving this. I love this thing." And uh, and then all the guys just kind of got hyped up. You know, they they got themselves in the zone. You had the uh, the vets kind of settle everyone down, and then you really saw what Kentucky can can kind of do in that second half. And, uh, you know, we, we heard them celebrating in the locker room, you know, they were playing Meek Mill the whole time. So I think it was, it was, uh, the second half was definitely more of what we were expecting. Um, I don't think we can really take, you know, too much long-term out of this or anything just because there's no seven footers and whatnot, but overall I was, you know, the second half I was impressed with. So. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt that they need their interior. And I mean, I know that we've for months now have kind of not really downplayed it, but we we've talked about, you know, what can what Kentucky has to do to survive without it. And we know that that's still something that they have to do in not only Thursday, but in the next week when the real stuff starts and and probably even into the middle of the month when they play Kansas at the Champions Classic. They've got to find a way to survive it, get some guys back, get them healthy. But you you mentioned the veterans really settling, settling them in, and they did. I mean, Trey Mitchell, that addition in the summer was massive. We we know how big it was, but you're seeing now just how important he is to this roster. The way that they're using him in the middle of the floor, stretching the floor, shooting the three. I think he was four or five from three point range, and mm-hmm. it led to me tweeting out during the game that if you could if you could get an over under prop on him for for what his season three point line would be, I think his career high is 37. His freshman season at really? UMass, he had 36 last year at West Virginia. He's going over that number this year, Zach. I, I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to shoot, going to knock down 60 or 73s, but I think that that gets into the 40s or maybe even approaches 50, just because I think he's going to have to take shots for this team, especially without the bigs. The way the floor is going to be spaced here for a couple of weeks, I think he he's up over 10 when you combine the exhibitions. I don't know the exact number from from Canada and here, but he's he's well over 10 made threes in in five games. So that that to me is something you're going to see from him. His rebounding. His passing, his putting the bat, putting the ball in the basket. He had he had some blocks. I, you have the stats pulled up right there in front of you. Yeah, I got what was his block total. I think yeah, I get had three, but let me double check here. Uh, I think I think so. Three blocks and a steal, so four stocks. Yeah, so it completely impacted the game in all areas. Friday night for Kentucky, and he, where I mentioned some nerves and maybe some just oh, this is my first college basketball game officially. He was a guy that looked relaxed, looked comfortable. And I think that's going to be something that's going to kind of just set the tone for them over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, even in the first half, you know, when they weren't rolling very well, you know, Reese had eight points. He was four of eight. Uh, Trey had five and five at half. So those guys definitely, uh, you know, just calmed everything down a little bit, you know, let them know like, hey, you did this exact same thing in Canada for four straight games and you all did fine. So, you know, just kind of calm down, chill out. We'll get it taken care of. Uh, one guy who really didn't have, I mean, he kind of struggled in the first half, not not nearly as much as some of the others, I thought, uh, like Justin and DJ, but Rob uh, kind of had a really good game just all around from start to finish. He didn't, I didn't really notice it until I looked at the box score and I was like, oh my God, he went like what, seven for 11? Let me double check here. Um, yeah. yeah, seven for 11 for 16 points, five assists, uh, two steals. Like that kid is going to put up some crazy numbers uh, this year. And I thought he did some uh, a really good job. Only one three attempt too. Um, he took a couple of bad shots, um, but, you know, that's just kind of where we're at with Rob right now. So I thought uh, some good signs from him. Uh, he was, you know, it's his mindset is just unbelievably calm, cool, collected type guy. So I've just been very impressed with everything we saw from him so far. 
Yeah, efficient Rob Dillingham, right? I don't yes. know if we ever have put that. I don't know if we ever put those words in a sentence together about Rob leading up to Kentucky uh, efficiency. And, and we know that Rob has moments where he's going to frustrate you. That's always going to be a part of Rob's game. But the good that comes with Rob is going to outweigh any of the bad. And you're seeing it now. He is. I can tell that Cal loves coaching him. Yeah, like yeah. you, you can just see it. Like Cal, and that's another note too about Cal. And and maybe the TV cameras caught it. I don't know if it did. He was very relaxed. Like it wasn't animated Cal. I want to see if that continues when Kentucky plays. Yes, and he he's back to wearing the suit and in the staff, and it kind of looks the way it used to. And if that gets you back to feeling like yourself again, wear a suit every single game. And he <laughs> he did mention that he might not wear a tie. He may wear it some. But just an overall approach, Zach, is we, we're used to seeing animated Cal. Cal screaming, stomping, getting upset, getting angry. I mean, I'm sure there's moments. You know Cal's going to be Cal. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, what I have seen from Canada through the blue-white game to exhibition number one, and I want to see if it carries over the next few weeks, is more of a, it's, it's almost like it's a more patient Cal when it comes to these guys. It's not as much screaming in an animated style of coaching. It's more so like, I know these guys are really, really young, but I also know that they're very, very talented. And I'm just, I want to see if that's an approach that kind of continues into the regular season when, when things start flying at them here in the next couple of weeks. Cause we, we know that things are about to get real here pretty, pretty soon. Yeah, I completely agree. I think he's just comfortable with his team because, you know, the last two, three years, you've had teams that aren't necessarily, you know, what he wants, you know, what he looks for. I guess, you know, the COVID year, they had all those good freshmen but it was the COVID year and, you know, things obviously went topsy turvy there. And then the last two years, he kind of went, he went older, uh, you know, he chose the experience over the the talent. Um, and now I think he's just back to, you know, kind of how he was in his first seven, eight years, whatever it was here, where he's just, you know, rolling with all these talented freshmen. And he knows that, look, it's going to be some growing pains right now. That's why he was so excited to see them up one at halftime against Georgetown college, because he knows that he's going to get there eventually. Um, and I kind of share that same sentiment, and we'll figure that out in our FanDuel prop bets later. Uh, teaser. There you go. Um, what was I saying? Yeah. So he he just looks uh, – he definitely seems more comfortable. Uh, and if you saw Coach – or listen to Coach O today talk, uh, even he seems very, you know, comfortable and confident. He's always kind of uh, even keeled, though, Coach O is. But, you know, he said a lot of good things today. We can talk about that if we want. Um, I don't know if there's anything else from that Georgetown game you're really antsy to talk about. Uh, I know a lot of people have kind of been asking. We had the same exact question this week on KS Board about Justin Edwards and his handle and just how it seems like he's kind of loose. You know, I, I saw him bring the ball up a couple of times uh, with his right hand. And I, you know, I, I, I think even on that same play, though, I think he tried to switch to his left and he just kind of lost it. Um, but I like the idea of him bringing the ball up the floor. I don't know if I've noticed it nearly as much as some others have. So I don't know if that's something you've noticed too or, or caught in that uh, first exhibition or not. But. I think it's it goes back to what I said last week, and then I, I I text you this today as well that he's the guy that I think's gonna he's gonna have his highs, he's gonna have his lows, and I think that his may be all over the place early in the season. I think he's gonna have moments here in November where he's gonna be up here, and I think there's gonna be moments where we're gonna be thinking, okay, that 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 wasn't Justin's best performance, but there's a couple of ways for him to figure it out and play through it, and it's hitting the glass. And Cal mentioned that in the postgame presser the other night, going and getting boards, getting an offensive rebound, sticking it back in, just seeing the ball go through the basket. But, but Zach, over the course of the season, I'm not really worried about Justin. I, I feel like he's the guy that's the most different when it comes to these perimeter guys 
because are, are we going to see him at some small ball four? Are we going to see him playing primarily the three? Like just a couple of different uh, things that he can do on the basketball floor. I think it's going to take him a little bit longer to settle in where with DJ, Rob, these guys that have the ball in their hands a ton, I feel like it's going to be easier. So I, I'm interested to see what kind of tweaks and things that Cal does to get him going. Maybe it's uh, some action just to get him a quick bucket early, something like that, just to maybe boost some confidence for him. Because I think that's probably what it is. I think he's just thinking a lot. And as he gets more comfortable, I expect him to settle in. One more note, though, on the front court going into this next exhibition, you know, Trey Mitchell led them in minutes. He played 33 minutes. He was the only guy to play over 30 minutes. I think the next over, over 28. Yeah. The next guy was what? DJ Wagner with 27. Yeah. 27. I think so. That's probably going to be the guy that's going to lead them in minutes play, just given what they're missing on the interior. So as you get throughout November, do you have any concerns about wear and tear playing a ton of minutes with him? Or is it over the course of four years of college basketball? I think that's a guy that's probably prepared to handle it the most, honestly. It's part of it. But the main part, I think, is he just doesn't play a game that would – I don't know what the right word is. But he's not injury prone because of how he plays. Like he's slow, he's on the ground, he's not jumping up. Like, you know, he had some blocks, but, you know, he's not a leaper. He plays very smart. Like he's not going to get himself in a, you know, in weird positions. Obviously, freak accidents can happen and stuff. But if we're just talking about pure wear and tear, I mean, I'm sure that night after playing Hunter Dickinson, well, he'll probably, you know, need a couple ice baths or something. Uh, but I do think that with the, just kind of the way he's, he's built and the way he plays, that he's a guy that's built to go for 33, 35 minutes. And I do think that it's, it, at least until one of these seven footers get back gets back, it's probably a good bet that he'll lead the minute, uh, team in minutes. And I'd say thirty three is probably where he'll end up going. And then you'll see time. You know, we heard Coach O today talk about Jordan and maybe Adu even at the five. And honestly, I'm not not terribly opposed to that. Uh, I'm not necessarily in favor of it. I think I'd probably rather see uh, Jordan at the five just because I know that he's got the athleticism and the rebounding to actually play that role. I, like if you have Adu at the five, then what you're putting. Justin at the four and then Reeves at the three. And then you, I mean, you're talking real small at that point. Um, and I think Adu can, can bang with all those guys, but, um, and, and even to your point about Edwards, like he had eight rebounds in the exhibition game, five of them were on the offensive board. I'm, I would bet that most of them came in the second half. Um, but as I was sitting here thinking about this, I remember talking to Justin when he was a senior uh, in high school at, after one of his uh, peach jam games, I think it was after a peach jam or so one of the Nike EYBL things, but um he had, a, he had a slow first half in the scoring, like couldn't really get himself going. And then the second half, he picked it up, kind of like what we've seen in some of these games. And I remember talking to him afterwards, and he said, well, my shot wasn't going in, so I just decided to start rebounding the hell out of the ball. And then all of a sudden, the shots started going in, and he started getting more confidence. And that's, that's just kind of how, you know, he doesn't even need to see the ball go in. He just needs to see something good happen, I think. And then that's when things start, you know, really processing for him. Um, but as, you know, Back to the front court there. I think if you have a guy like Justin, a guy like Trey, and then Adu and, and Jordan, I think you can you can make that work for the time being. Um, you know, the defense has been something that I've harped on. I think that they m- might be a little bit better maybe than I think in the front court when it comes to the defense, just because Trey's so smart in the, on, on team defense that he can kind of cover some gaps. And I think this team is going to be a really good just overall connective unit when they're on defense together. I don't know about the individual play. Uh, you're going to have to hope that, you know, you got – teammates behind you and helping out but that's where i think you get a guy like trey that comes in and really helps so yeah i'm not too worried about uh the durability of trey in terms of in terms of that but 
uh, still going to be an issue, and I, I don't feel good about the defense until Aaron gets back. Yeah, that that's the it, – it's really hard to evaluate. Honestly, it's really hard to evaluate exhibitions against, you know, opponents that you should win by 30 points against or 25 to 40. It's hard to really evaluate anything that this team has done at this point just because we don't know what roles are. Like there, when you go down the list there – one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players played 20 minutes or more. I don't know, like that when you get into January and Kentucky's in league play and they're playing Florida, they're playing Missouri, or they're playing Tennessee, how many how much those minutes change? How many guys creep into the 30s? Because then it becomes at that point in the season, and maybe even more so by the time we get to Miami, who Cal trusts the most at that point? And do you have a couple of dudes playing north of 30? I'm gonna say yes. Because yeah. that's just the way Cal coaches. When I it comes down to it, it, they're going to have yeah. to. They're going to have to, and yeah. and and things. So Jordan Burks, though, you you mentioned him a moment ago. You were standing there with me post game when uh, we were talking to him, and he's having <laughs> a blast right now. He he mentioned something yeah. about you know now that you've played the five and you've done it in Toronto and now you've done it through the the, the fall and into the exhibition opener. Are you more comfortable in that? And he's like. Yeah, I have no choice. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, yeah. what else am I going to do? And then he said, if Cal wants me to dive into the stands or to dive into the bleachers, he said, I'm going to dive into the bleachers because that's what it's going to take for me to be on the floor. Do whatever it takes. Like, throw a roll out the, out the window right now. They just need bodies yeah. that can hit the glass and some size. And he's one of those guys, Zach, since he arrived on campus, he has played out of position. Yeah. That, to me, that to me is enough praise for that guy that I've, I've earned a lot of respect for him since he's got on campus just for because of his willingness to do whatever it takes to get on the court. You want guys like that in your program. Yeah. Now, he's definitely embraced the, uh, you know, kind of the garbage man cleanup role, and you have to have a guy like that. The only issue is I think there's going to be games where he's going to be unplayable because he's, you know, he's not going to have any sort of, you know, face-up game or just anything that he can kind of go to on offense. Uh, teams might pick on him because – you know, like you said, he's he's played guard his entire high school career. Now he's playing forward, so he's kind of a tweener. He just really doesn't know how to play forward yet. Uh, he really hasn't played much basketball just in general. Smarter teams are probably going to pick at him a little bit. Um, but that's why it's going to be good that he's going to be pretty much force-fed a bunch of these minutes here uh, early on. It's, you know, I, I doubt he plays much against Kansas. I would honestly – like, I wouldn't be shocked if Trey Mitchell plays all 40 minutes and you just see a do and Justin kind of, you know, sliding back and forth at the four there. Uh because he's going to be very limited, but you know there will be an SEC game that Jordan Burks wins Kentucky, you know, or wins it for Kentucky because he goes and gets. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Five rebounds and two steals in, in you know, a, a five-minute stretch in the second half when UK's losing or something like that. Like, he's going to be valuable there, and that's why all these early minutes for him are going to be really huge. Um, I guess he's just got to stay in that mindset and, you know, not revert to the, you know, the, the old high school way. Maybe because it, it'll be I – w- I would understand if he got frustrated for not getting his points and, and, you know, like getting shots and things like that. Cause the kid averaged 27 points a game last year in high school. So he's used to scoring the ball. He had what 
He had four against uh, in the exhibition game, but he had six rebounds and two steals, and he played 20 minutes. Like, if you can do those, if you can do that pretty much every time, Cal's probably going to play you um, as long as he hits free throws, which I don't think we've really seen him any, hit any free throws or shoot any yet. So, uh, and, yeah. And you mentioned the do Thierro there, and, and Coach O mentioned that buying some minutes at the five spot if needed. And when you look at him physically, body-wise, he can do it. He can hit the glass. He can grab some yeah. rebounds. He can defend his position. To me, like valuing the ball for him is a, is another thing. Like I don't want to see him making turnovers. I, I think he did what? How many steals did he have? He got up there pretty four steals. Four steals. So I know four three turnovers, four steals. So he he kind of canceled that out and then and then gained yeah, one, gained a possession back there. But he's a guy to watch because where I'm talking about role and and guys playing out and and kind of figuring out who they are. He's the one guy to me that kind of can do a lot of things across the stat sheet. He, he can score it well enough that he's efficient there. He can hit the glass and rebound. He can defend his spot. He can get two feet in the paint and make some plays for others and, and get some assist. A high-energy guy, Zach. And, and to me, he's going to be a guy that's going to play a lot of minutes early as well just because they're going to need that size when they go up against Kansas. Or they do, go you up think, against- do you think he could defend a five, though? Because that, that would kind of be where I would – for a guy like Jordan Burks, just because of his, just you know, he has an extra inch or two on him. Like I know a do is thick, but you know, with two C's. But I would rather have Jordan there at center because I'm not entirely. Sure. I mean, I guess it's one of those things, wait and see, like type deal. I think I it's like, well, it, there's there's a couple of things that I'm still waiting to see from this team, and and you're not going to see it right now. You're, you're going to see it when you get into Division One competition, and you. You get into Kansas, the, the game planning and preparation, the game scout, who becomes this team's lockdown defender, who guards the opposing team's best perimeter player. We know that they're going to have to do some things and get creative there defensively with, with Hunter Dickinson in Kansas here in a couple of weeks. They're, I'm assuming some double teams on the oh, flip yeah. side of that. How does Kansas use Hunter Dickinson and, and ball screen coverage? Does, does Kentucky yeah. pick on him and, and do some things? Cause I know, when, when McCormick was there at Kansas, Bill Self ran a lot of drop coverage. I, I know Hunter Dickinson's played in a lot of drop coverage and, and stuff. Does Kentucky maybe game plan some ways to, to get some baskets there and attack the bigs defensively? So there's there's some things that I still just don't know about this team and, and where the rotation goes, and you're not really going to know about it. That's why I keep – I'm big on throwing out certain dates, and, and people that listen to the show, they know I'm big on quad one wins and things. But by the Miami game at the end of the month, that's where I think we're going to have the most kind of takeaways about who this team is going into December where you play North Carolina, you start SEC play. That's the one, that's the date I'm looking at. I want to see where Kentucky's at on November 14th when they match up with the number one team who did just lose an exhibition that we'll get into. But then again in two weeks against Miami, that that feels like checkpoints throughout the season where we can kind of look back and go, okay, we thought this is who Kentucky is, but they're actually this. And that's with any team in college basketball, Zach. Like who we think Duke is, who we think Tennessee is. All these storylines and things and opinions are going to go left and right. And then somewhere in the middle here in about three or four weeks, you're going to kind of settle in and think, okay, oh, that's who they are. So there's still a lot of unknowns, but with each 40 minutes of basketball, we're figuring it out a little bit more. I want to see what you thought about Ra or uh, DJ's game because we heard today before you uh, before you respond, he we had uh, you know I asked Coach O kind of what do you tell a guy about you know stuff like that and um, he he went on to later just talk pretty much say that DJ's the vocal leader of this team which I thought was interesting 
Um, maybe not a shock because we've talked with Reeves over the last year. We know he's kind of quiet. Um, you know, some of the other freshmen are going to be quieter guys. Trey Mitchell's got a, you know, he's he's very fun to talk to, but maybe not the guy that's, you know, going to be yelling at players. So I thought it was very interesting that he said that DJ is kind of the vocal leader here and is, is the guy that's pretty much always talking. Um, but, you know, he had four points, shot two for nine, um, you know, uh, over three from three, uh, didn't have any turnovers, only one assist, but then he had, let's see, a couple of steals too, I think. Uh, yeah, he had four or two steals. So, you know, he and four rebounds too. So he did some other things, but, you know, the offense wasn't there. Just what, what were your thoughts on his game? Not concerned. I think it's when it comes to down to it, you mentioned the vocal leader there and you mentioned Antonio Ruiz being quiet and, and things and that just being his personality. DJ is going to be the alpha in this backcourt. Yeah. I think he's going to be the guy that come late January, early February when Kentucky's putting a resume together and getting into tournament play and in the, the part where we really start grinding away as March approaches, I think he's going to be the guy that's going to put a lot of it on his back mm-hmm. with this team from a vocal standpoint. He may not have the most efficient nights at times offensively, but I trust him to make a play late in games, mm-hmm. whether it's getting to the basket, two feet in the paint. I thought he looked good moving and getting to the rim. I thought he was aggressive. It's it just he didn't hit shots. He, he may come out Thursday night, Zach, and have a completely flipped line yeah. and, and finish some of those plays at the rim. But the, the overall thing with this backcourt is – just the the amount of options Kentucky has when it when it comes to the different ways. We we've mentioned Justin Edwards, who I still throw in the backcourt, even though he can play some three and some small ball four. Rob Dillingham, the the, the we've seen him in the blue white game and then in the ex- exhibition opener have a good game. So just Reed Shepard, like we're still waiting. Reed was better in Toronto than he's been the last couple of times. Like we know he had his moments there. It's just. So many ways this team can beat you in the backcourt. I compare it to what I saw from Tennessee over the weekend, just backcourt depth. Mm-hmm. Backcourt depth will carry you throughout the season. And to me, as long as it's somebody, even if it's somebody different every single night, I, I think out of those five or five guys on the perimeter throwing Edwards in there, you're going to get a good night from two of them yeah. every single night. And to me, that might be the guy that you ride on that given night. So the, the backcourt depth is where I think that it's going to – where this team's going to win some games, especially in league play. But when it comes down to it, D.J. Wagner, I think, is going to be their their lead guard and the guy that is Kentucky's alpha in the backcourt, and I, I don't expect that to change. Yeah, he's the he's the floor general. He's Cal's guy. Cal's going to ride and die by him. Um, I wasn't worried particularly with his two-for-nine start because he was 100% in that group of freshmen that was nervous and uh, – I guess you you might not expect that with a guy like DJ because he you know kind of exudes such all this confidence, um, but he was definitely nervous. He was pushing himself a little bit, uh, you know. Kind of there was times where he was hunting for a shot and times he wasn't. Um, so he's just he's got to get better at you know towing the line of figuring out when to go and when to pull it back. Uh, but I think that'll come with him. I think I think DJ is a guy that could shoot like thirty eight percent from the field and still be Kentucky's like best player. Uh, you know, I think some people might not want to hear that, but you know, we've had UK has had guards shoot under 40% from the field and still be, you know, very, very effective players. Um, I think that's probably what we're going to look at with DJ here, at least early on. But it's going to be one of those things that you just kind of take the lumps. You know, he's going to he's going to get pushed around, I think, early on, uh, drive another rim. Um, but he'll adjust to that eventually because he's he's a very shifty player. Uh, he knows how to you know cut into angles and go around defenders without actually bumping into them. And I think I think eventually he'll figure out that. Um 
but yeah, I, I not not really concerned with DJ. Not really concerned with Reed. I think yeah, Reed went two for six. Um, didn't feel like he was kind of quiet. Um, but he's another guy that I'm just you know, they didn't he didn't do anything wrong. I thought, and that's really kind of where I where I look at some of these games is like, did they mess up anything? Um, and I don't think Reed or DJ really messed anything up. Um, but I don't necessarily think they did anything great either. So I think that's a positive in that in that regard. And Cal keeps talking about that things are not going to change offensively when the bigs return, that the the floor is going to be spaced. You can put two of them in there together. Z can do this. And then it might have been – I can't remember who it was, uh, the three that we were interviewing. I know we had Rob uh, – who did we have? Rob, Antonio, Antonio and uh, Jordan. Jordan. And mm-hmm. I can't remember which one it was. You probably, probably will remember it. But he was talking about initial takeaways from what Big Z looks like on the floor. And he mentioned – that he he made some move at the top of the key and he spun and 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 dunked the ball or something like that. And he's like, whoa, I didn't I didn't know he had that in his bag. I think it was I think it was Antonio. And he yeah. was like, we're gonna be really, really good if if we're doing that at that spot. So that's encouraging to hear that they've committed to the spacing and the offense approach that they're not just gonna kind of throw it in the trash and go a different way when they get their interior back. But like I said, we don't know as much about Kentucky given that they played, you know, Georgetown College, they got Kentucky State coming up that we'll preview. But one thing that's happening around college basketball right now in October is we're getting to see some really good competition. Yeah. In some big-time exhibition games. And I know a, a lot of those are, are charity exhibitions that are going to, you know, Maui and, and things and, and, and charities like that to, to kind of help rebuild there. Um, Tom Izzo, Michigan State, Rick Barnes in Tennessee played at Michigan State over the weekend, live on the Big Ten Network. And then you follow it with number one Kansas and number 25 Illinois. Number one Kansas goes down. Tennessee gets a one-point win. Arkansas gets a four-point overtime win against number three Purdue. Texas A&M played over the weekend, too. Did they play Texas Tech? Did Did you see that score? I'm not entirely I think, sure now. I, think, I, think, I, know, I know they lost. Uh, there's been a lot of high-quality games. I would love to see this become a thing that happens every single year that you have your power programs kind of playing inside power five competition, but one team in state, they're going to struggle to play power five competition. <laughs> and that's, that's a little, and we're not trying to pile on here, but love but Kenny here we Payne. Go. I love Kenny Payne, Zach, but who oh boy, they, I don't know what the over-under win total would be for them this season, but if they somehow managed to get to 10, I would be shocked. That's the second straight year they've lost to a D2 opponent in their home building in an exhibition. It doesn't look better in year two. Yeah, the fighting Ryan Lemons took him down. Um, was that last night? feels like days ago. Was that, that was last night, though, right? Was it last night? I think it was last. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it feels like five minutes ago for, for people <laughs> in that program. So a team uh, that's picked to finish eighth in their conference. By yeah, the way. yeah, yeah. Which is probably yeah. only a ten-team conference. I'm sure. Great win for Kentucky Wesleyan. Great yeah. win. Yeah. But if you're Louisville, you're thinking, how in the world are we going to survive the ACC this season? And and I know Connor there, and I I love KP. I don't want. I want. I don't even think that's I a want, bold prediction either. It's not. And I even tweeted it out last night that I have I see no way that he makes it to year three if this is the way it goes. But then again, if you're that if you're that program and you're firing a guy that you love so quickly, but then again, like 
I just don't see how it's in this situation to the point that there can't even be competitive in D1 competition, but then they lose a second. I, I know upsets happen all the time mm-hmm. in exhibitions. Things happen. I mean, Kentucky's lost uh, exhibitions in the past. I mean, yeah. that, there was one year I think they might have lost athletes in action. I can't remember. It was years ago. Yeah. But definitely. that team ended up being pretty good. I'm pretty sure that Kentucky team. So Kentucky lost to Evansville a couple of years ago, but that's that's D1 competition. This is D2 competition for the second year in a row. Not looking good. How confident are you? I know that game is still a, a couple of months away. How confident are you in Kentucky and Louisville and what in the world will be the spread? Oh, Kentucky <laughs> Kentucky will win that game pretty easily. I think the spread will be, it'll be close to 15 points. But my, my thing with, well, first of all, poor, poor Sky Clark. I feel bad for Sky Clark because that's a kid that I've kind of rooted for, you know, even after he decommitted from Kentucky. You know, he had his ACL injury. It was during COVID. Like he kind of got the short end of the stick, I felt like, uh, with his recruitment. I thought he would, you know, kind of thrive in Illinois and, and things like that. And I think he was like the only Louisville kid that had a good game yesterday. So he's kind of like in the L. Ellis role there. Um, but I think pure talent wise, Louisville should be better than four games uh, or winning four games. Like last year's team had some talent, like L. Ellis was clearly the best player. You know, they had some big guys, whatever, a couple of freshmen, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, if you want to throw him in there as an actual player. But this year, I think they actually have like some, you know, a little bit more talent that they should be better than just four wins. Um, I don't think there's any, like, I seriously think they win at least 10 games. Like, I think. There's just no way that you can be that bad as a D1, you know, it's a high level. And unless Kenny Payne is just really as bad as we are, you know, even thinking he is, like even worse than than whatever he is uh, as a head coach, which is just so strange to see how, you know, sliding over one chair can just, you know, I mean, you're just a completely different coach at that point. So that being said, the moment Kenny Payne is gone from Louisville or whatever happens, Coach Cal's picking up the phone. And that guy's going to be back on the bench. And I think that's 100% what they should do. Um, you know, you might have to move some stuff around. You know, if you got to. You can't let that guy go somewhere else, right? As an assistant coach. No, you, no, just can't. you can't let him, unless he goes to the NBA. That, I think that would be yeah. maybe your only, like, if he wants to go back to the Knicks or something, because he clearly did well there. Julius Randle loved him. He made Julius Randle into an all star, which is just why it's so confusing that he's doing this poorly. And, and that's why I don't think that, you know, I, clearly they're they're not very good right now they're going to struggle early on but i think eventually this team will pick it up just because there's no way that that kenny Payne is as bad of a coach right no there, there there's no right? way and and that, that's where i'm coming from like there there's a side of me here and, and this this is the coaching side of me like it's hard for me as i'm moved through coaching to speak ill of anyone in coaching profession like it's just because I, I i know how hard it is not at that level but it's it's hard like, especially in today's game, there's so much movement and things with transfer portal and players leaving. But KP is a guy that what he did here at Kentucky, if Louisville turns its back, and I mean, if you win four games and if you win nine, eight or nine, if they get the double digit wins this year, he's back. He's back. If they if they show some type of improvement that way. But listen, especially like, if it's like the end of the season, like, you know, let's say they yes. went three of those games or the last five or something. I just don't know what they're going to do in that league, though. I'm telling you, like them and Notre Dame there at the bottom, and I watched Notre Dame practice this fall, and right now I would pick Notre Dame in that game by 15-plus. Yeah. Like I think Notre Dame is significantly better, and Notre Dame is making strides up the ACC ladder under Coach Shrewsbury. So I just don't see that with Louisville. Like this – if they hadn't lost last night, if they come out and they're impressive in those games and win by 25 to 30, then you can see it. But – Nobody's in the building. 
They're <laughs> going to have awful crowds. Place. They're going to have awful crowds. Kentucky's going to go there and absolutely beat them down in their building here in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it ending too well. But just a couple quick notes on those other exhibitions. Tennessee went on the road, had a really impressive win without Zakai Ziegler and, and Vescovy there in the backcourt. That That's some of that backcourt depth that I was talking about with them a few weeks ago, which is when you get down to backcourts, Kentucky and Tennessee is going to be some fun matchups. And well, there we Tennessee, go. Tennessee's talking about the, uh, uh, Well, Tennessee's got the uh, – what's, what's the kid's name? Dalton Connect? Dalton Connect, yes. Connect. And Rick Barnes told uh, me – Rick Barnes told me about three weeks ago when I was talking to him after practice down there, he said, don't be shocked if that guy goes for 40-plus. And that's yeah. a guy that at one point in the spring, there was a link and a connection there with Kentucky and, and things and, and where Kentucky is going to go in the transfer portal. That was a name that popped up mm-hmm. back in the spring. He ends up at Tennessee, really athletic wing. You saw Ganey there in the backcourt, uh, another transfer guy. Like they, They've got dudes. They've got backcourt depth that we're talking about with Kentucky. Yeah. It's just that backcourt depth is all experienced pieces where Kentucky's is youth. I think Kentucky has the more top-end guys that are going to go play in the NBA, which mm-hmm. gives me the higher ceiling. But that's going to be a matchup to watch. It's going to be old versus young in the backcourt, those two teams. Michigan State, I still don't know about them, but anytime you can go on the road, I think it's an impressive win, especially in October. Yeah. And the same thing with Arkansas picking up a win against Purdue at home. It was a good weekend for the SEC, and I'm a big fan of this. We need more exhibitions like that for charities – in October and November, if you're Cal, I get it because if you're, if, you're, if you're Kentucky, you lose one though. Cal's probably getting there's probably some talk about it's early in the year and Kentucky's already losing. But, but if you think of it, is anyone really worried about Kansas after this game? I would think you know. I mean, no. maybe maybe some of the Kansas fans are, but you know, me from the outside, I'm not worried about Kansas coming out. You know, looking not being the number one team in the country when UK plays them because they lost to Tennessee by a couple points. The, but that's where I'm getting at too with the, how deep this league is this year. As you saw it, now Texas A&M did lose to Tech. I think somebody put that in the comments there a minute ago. Mm-hmm. But the same thing with Kansas. They just went on the road and lost to Illinois in a game that does not matter. But who knows more about their basketball team right now? Kansas. They just went into a true road environment in the Big Ten against a top 25 opponent. So that's probably an advantage for Kansas going into that game on the 14th is that they've played in that environment against guys that can physically push back and do some things. So that, that needs probably a note that we need to talk about here in a couple of weeks, that that's an advantage, but Kentucky will be fine as they get that same experience coming over the next few weeks as well. But I would love to see that become a thing where Kentucky uses its two exhibitions, one to go on the road somewhere yeah. And then host a big exhibition game against a Power Five opponent at Rupp Arena too. If you if if that's something that can be done, People that would be the perfect thing. We're, we're talking about the fans and and not showing up as much for exhibitions. Give them somebody like that walking through the door, and you get a, a full crowd at Rupp Arena. But it's it's going to be a fun college basketball season. Zach, anything else you want to get to from those exhibitions? Anything that stands out? No, just that you know, I really I really would like to see Kentucky do something like that. Um, you know, if you play, I think playing a team like a Texas or a Baylor or something like that, you know, those you've got, you know, fan bases from different parts and, uh, you'll get a lot of eyes on a game like that. You put it on TV, you know, you, you send the money to charity, do whatever you want. Like, I just think that's Cal's talking about summer basketball. This is a start. Just you're, you're continuing to bump it up, you know, and, and now you're in October doing exhibition games. So, uh, 
just embrace it, you know, bring 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 a good power five opponent to rep and, and let's run with one of these exhibitions. I think it'll it's only good good for the team. Like I think Cal's probably his worry probably with a team like that he has right now is that yeah, even if you do play like you know a, a mid uh, power five team, they could potentially boat race you in your own in your own you know place because these freshmen are just like what we saw uh, against uh, Georgetown College. You know, the first half they're just not. They'd probably be obviously more prepared for that, but uh, you know that would be you. You talk about throwing them to the wolves. That would be a, a very tough tough thing, thing for them to do. But hey, that's that's how you learn. So I would be all for it no matter what. And we're going to get into some questions from KS Board. We're also going to talk about Kentucky, Kentucky State here as we get into the second half of the show. But before we do that, Zach, we have to show some love to some of our wonderful partners. The Source of Say podcast is brought to you by Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skills, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free. And he's here to help if you have any questions about business ownership. You can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. The Sources Say podcast is also brought to you by Game Time. Zach, we, we talked about Game Time a week ago. We've talked about Game Time a lot on this podcast. It's the, the best place to buy tickets, the, the cleanest app. You can get tickets to any event. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets. Now isn't the time for guesswork with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat and the best price guarantee. Game time does all the hard work for you. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last minute seats. You can find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater and more. With zone deals, you pick the section and Game Time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code KSR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code KSR for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed there's tickets available on the game time app you You get those those ads there well and tickets are cheap for this exhibition coming up oh yeah i mean they're super cheap like you can sit sorry (laughs) that's 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 game time that's somebody telling you to use game time right there so no kentucky and kentucky state coming up on thursday use the game time app Get seats. You can get them all the way up until, like, like you said, right before tip, like I said, right before tip off. Kentucky season opener next week. You got the Champions Classic. If you want to make the trip up to Chicago, be sure to use Game Time. It is by far the the best app and, and the one that I use to purchase tickets for events. But Zach, we we also have some exciting uh, stuff to to do here on, on Source of Say tonight. So let's do it. We'd love to welcome a new partner for the show this season. It's going to be FanDuel Sportsbook, and they're going to be with us all the way through the NCAA tournament there. The NBA and college basketball season are back. Join FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Zach, 
FanDuel. I've been using it ever since we were legally allowed to start betting here in the state of Kentucky. Clean app, the the, the lines, the, the player props, you can go in there. There's there's so much that you can do. Led to me looking to some some futures, some future bets for Kentucky, which you and I had put together. Whatever do you mean by that, Sean? <laughs> so going in and looking at some future picks, Zach, if you want to take yours first there and maybe give uh, – a couple of things like you can get you can right now you can take Kentucky to to get to the final four. That's plus 500. Uh, you can get Kentucky plus 600 to win the SEC regular season title. And I think it's plus 1800 right now to win the national championship. So mm-hmm. correct. Looks to me like you like them to win the SEC regular season. Yeah, if Daniel. There he goes. Uh, yeah. So I kind of alluded to it earlier. Um, my reasoning behind that pick uh, plus 600 UK to win the SEC regular season. Um, it's kind of based on the fact that I think that we are looking at a classic Cal team that will pick things up heavily in January. Um, I expect us to have Aaron Bradshaw back by then. Um, and that's kind of where my bet is actually dependent on, because if he doesn't come back, then I really don't know, you know, kind of how Kentucky's season plays out. But I'm expecting at least, you know, one of those seven footers to come back soon. Aaron Bradshaw is the main piece. Um, I think plus 600 is not terrible odds for that. Um, so I'm going to take that one and, and, I also have, uh, when FanDuel first started, I placed one of my bonus bets on Kentucky to win the uh, national championship. And I think I got uh, pretty decent odds on that too. So um, yeah, plus 600. I think that's uh, that's a, a good pick there, especially because I think Kentucky's going to be playing its best basketball come February and March. Um, and I think at that point, they will be right in the thick of things with you know Texas A&M is a team that I'm really high on. Uh, I think Tennessee will be up there, obviously, too. You'll have Arkansas, Alabama, those, those classic teams. Uh, Kentucky will be right there in the mix until the very end, and I think that they can easily uh, you know, come down the stretch there and pick up that that SEC regular season championship. It will be the first since when, Sean? Do you know off the top of your head? Well, they sh- uh, 2019, 2020, they won it by three games. with That's right. Yeah. Quickly. Uh, yeah, and the last regular season or the last tournament title was 2017, 2018. Jeez. Where they actually went ten and eight in the league that season, had a four-game losing streak there at one <laughs> point. So, uh, which gets into my prop there, or my, or my future, my future pick is Kentucky's over/under conference wins on on FanDuel is set at over/under twelve and a half. I'm taking the over in that. I've mentioned that I, I've, I've said that this team, if they play thirty-one regular season games, I've, I've said it's twenty-four and seven. 25 and six that I think that's somewhere where the record's going to settle that that gets you into that 14 and four 13 and five in the league depending on how they do in the non-conference but here's a lot of my reasoning under John Calipari at Kentucky Kentucky averages 13.2 SEC wins a season and I think this is going to be one of those teams they went 12 and six in the league a year ago they're going to get above that mark this year they're going to win 13 plus games in the league I think that that's my pick and you can get that at plus 106 right now on, on FanDuel Sportsbook. So that is my pick for, for a future pick, and that is one that, that I actually have placed uh, a bet on love as well. That. So Love that bet. Uh, and, and, they, and they've had some years. So so some of their, their low-end years where they didn't reach 13 wins, 2012-2013, they went 12-6. and six. They went 12-6 and six in 13-14, the year they made it to the title game. 10-8 and eight with Shea and then won the conference tournament. <laughs> and then obviously the COVID season, which I do throw out, such a weird year. They went 8-9. and nine. Bounced back the next year, won 14 league games, and then went 12 and six a year ago. This is always a program that that is above in that 12 to 13 range. Zach, I think that the backcourt, and then you get a break. You get you get an A and M once instead of twice. 
They're, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's on the road, but you get them once. You get Arkansas twice. You get Tennessee twice. It's going to be a tough league, but it's a league that I think that Kentucky is going to play some games in the non-conference to prepare it for. And I think that the backcourt will carry them. And I think that this is at least a 13 and five team in SEC play. Yeah, I think our bets kind of line up together. Like, you know, if UK wins 13 or even 14 SEC games, there's a very, I'd say there's a very good chance they end up winning the SEC regular season too. So, yeah. And they, they also, so Tennessee's the favorite to win the SEC regular season title, but Kentucky has better odds to get to the final four. So that just shows you how Vegas views it. When it comes to to it. I'm along late. Like, you know, my, my bet could end up being wrong because I'm a week ahead of schedule, you know, like it could be, the very, you know, the last week of the season where that's where they really, or last two weeks where they really start to pick things up and then they go in and win in the SEC tournament, you know, like, so a lot of ways that could go, but. So if you're, if you're thinking about using FanDuel, sign up, you get $150 in bonus bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. So visit FanDuel.com slash Pilgrim. That's FanDuel.com slash Pilgrim. Must be 21 and older, present in Kentucky. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets, with which expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Zach, that gets us into the next tier where we're, we're closing up the show. Get to the board. Do you see any questions yep. on there? And then we'll jump into a couple of maybe some notes that we're looking for with uh, Kentucky KSU. Well, there was uh, a couple that we'll start off with because uh, I know Daniel's got some pictures queued up of uh, Jaden Quaintance on his official visit. People have been asking about that. Um, you know, we don't have any, you know, official, you know, he's going to decide now, whatever. But Kentucky has been trending as the guy or as the team for a while with him. Um, we saw him at the game. Uh, he was right behind the bench there with DJ Edgecombe. Um, I think Kentucky is still in the driver's seat here. You're going to have Missouri's going to poke around. The G League's going to poke around. Uh, and the G League's going to be a kind of a bigger factor just because Quaintance has to play two years, uh, at, you know, at the pre-NBA level. So they can offer him a really good, you know, package or deal or whatever it is that kind of trumps in UK's NIL, then uh, they will definitely be a player. But he's UK's to lose, I think. Uh, on threes, Jamie Shaw kind of said the similar things earlier today. Um, so... I don't, it's, it's going to kind of come down, you know, if he ends up taking more official visits, that was kind of supposed to be his last one. So if he ends up taking any more, uh, I think that'll be a tell that Kentucky maybe is farther away from closing the deal than they thought. Um, but I still think they're in great shape for him. He's a guy that they really want. He's a guy that, you know, I really want them to get because I think he's a stud right now. Um, the VJ edge come, he's really just keeping his recruitment tight. Um, I'm not, I don't personally think that UK gained much ground with him. I think there's, I think there's too late in the game with him. Uh, we'll kind of see how things play out over these next couple months. I know he's still got more official visits to take, so his could go on for a while. Uh, his recruitment can drag on. And then we also had Malachi Moreno, uh, who took an unofficial visit. He picked up his offer while he was there. Um, <clears throat> he's a guy that, you know, I'll probably be watching a lot this year, just him at Great Crossing there. Uh, Sean, I don't know if yours, do you all play Great Crossing, Frederick Douglass? Yeah, we're uh, well, we're we'll be competing with him in the region for sure, in the okay, in the 11th region. But we're in the uh, Billy Hicks Classic with them, so you could see a Frederick Douglass great crossing matchup as early as I think somewhere around December seventh, December eighth. Now Probably we have to we we have to take care of business, and they have to take care of business. So I don't want to get too far ahead because uh, a lot of respect for Woodford County, who we play in the first round matchup there. But uh, we did match up with them this summer. 
Malachi wasn't on the floor. We also didn't have a couple of our guys. They had a couple of guys out because Malachi was actually playing. I believe he was overseas. Yeah, he played in Italy. And, and then we had a couple of guys that played uh, on the EYBL circuit and some other things. So, no, uh, I look forward to that matchup if we play. Very talented player. Very great good. kid. Great kid. Worthy uh, of I've, got, I've got to watch him work out and stuff as well. And uh, I know that that's an offer. And some of the other places that I've been, they've they've asked me about Malachi and and some coaches and and things. And like I said, talented. We got talent. They got talent. If those two teams match up and play at some point this season, uh, KSR will be there. We expect the uh, expect a we'll large the gathering of the whole time. Expect, expect a large gathering of people to be present. Oh, yeah. But no, I, I'm happy for Malachi. I'm very happy for him that he got that offer. Yeah, he's definitely worthy of it. Um, his recruitment's been kind of odd with Kentucky because uh, you know he's a big blue madness two weeks ago. We saw him talking to um, I think it was Coach o, or maybe Chuck Martin. I think it was Chuck Martin. Saw him talking to Chuck Martin for about 15 minutes after. I assumed right then and there he was getting an offer, but. We kind of talked to him after he said that UK still wants to see a little bit more. I don't know what the hell they saw in the last two weeks, but whatever it was, it was enough for them to finally ex- or reach out and give him that offer. Um, he's definitely worthy of it. He's, I think he's listed around 6'10", 6'11", on, a lot of, uh, on on three, but he's like a true seven-footer right now. He's still kind of growing. Um, so he's he's a guy that if Kentucky wants, you know, they can go all in on him and grab him. Uh, you know, they'll kind of probably want to wait and see how things with, you know, a guy like Quaytons who's going to be there for two years because Malachi is a 2025. Um, and they've got other options in that class too. So, uh, but those were the three visitors that were here this past, uh, or for the game on Thursday. Here comes my cat. <laughs> there she goes. Uh, and you yeah, mentioned so- you mentioned Quaintance there in in the opening with the with the question there on, on KS board. That to me feels like one that you know Kentucky's applying the full court press right now. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to get that thing in. Like I said, we're we're now two weeks tomorrow, I think, or right at two weeks from tomorrow from the deadline or the early signing period. I believe it's somewhere. I know it'll be yeah, the week yeah. Kentucky yeah, plays yeah. Kansas. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's coming. So expect Kentucky to turn up the heat there, try to get that thing done. I think it's big that he he was back on campus for that visit. That sets up a time frame here where, you know, Cal's pushing for a commitment. Kentucky's pushing for one. And if you can get him, regardless of where else you go right now, you, you feel good about where Kentucky's at with some guys get another one, get three signatures, three signatures, three pins on paper in the early period. It kind of gets some of the recruiting of a high school out of the way. And then you can kind of key in on guys that you're wanting to finish that class with. And then depending on who comes back, where you go possibly in the transfer portal, because I do think that next spring or in the spring, I think you're going to see Kentucky be a little bit more active in the portal, maybe take a couple of guys there because they're going to need some veteran guys. Because if this team has the year that we think they can have, it seems like a, a some of the guys at the top could be out the door. What happens with Rob Dillingham? I think that's probably going to be one of the more intriguing ones. Yeah. And then, you know, Reed Shepard, I, I still expect Reed to be a, a multi-year guy here. But they could have some guys come back more off this team, but they're, they're going to need some portal, but they're also going to need to finish up the high school class. But I'd be watching for Jaden Quaintance and something coming soon because you know Kentucky's pushing that. Yeah, I, I imagine we'll hear you know something more concrete about him here in you know maybe the next week, maybe even less than that. Um, going down some more questions here, we'll we'll pump out a few more. Connor Rigg, uh, he's always here, so I gotta I gotta give him. He he has three questions, so I'll just I'll give him two. I think that's fair. Two for Connor. Um, let's see, which lineup combination do you like the most from the exhibition? 
Is it the starting Ooh. five? Oh or was man, kind of stood out to you. Yeah, yeah I, I want that's that was that wasn't on my list of things to look for on Thursday night. But I think now that Connor's ex asked that, I think I'm going to watch Thursday mm-hmm. and and take two exhibitions, get some film and then go into next Tuesday and probably give a more accurate lineup. But I, I think anything with Trey Mitchell at the five, like I just love it. Like I love seeing him at the five. I love that you've got a dude that can go four or five from the three point line at the five spot with what Kentucky has right now with needing some size and some activity on the glass, I think a do has to be in combinations right now, because if not, I worry about Kentucky on the interior getting rebounds. Like that's going to be the thing that probably if they have a chance at beating Kansas here in a couple of weeks, it's going to have to be rebounding and they got to knock down some threes. Like they, they've got to get, get some points there from the three point line, but they also got to be able to rebound the position, limit Kansas to one possession and done. I say those two, Listen, I love Rob Dillingham right now, and, and what I'm seeing. So oh, I, I gotta, like, I, I think that he's got to he's got to be on the floor. I need to go back and look at some of the the lineups though before I give more of a detailed answer and see just how much they played together. But those three on the floor right now just feel like that. That's probably the most excited I am. Just just given one for a do that I think it's required that you need that size. Mm-hmm. But what Rob did coming off the bench, he come in and was fast paced right off the bat making plays and doing things, finishing through contact. That's a guy that's so exciting right now. So I'm going to say those three, but I want to watch Thursday and then coming back next Tuesday, I'll give the combinations that I like more. Did nice. you, do you have a five? That Not a five, but I def- I agree Trey Mitchell. Like Whenever he's out there, I will feel confident. And I'm kind of the same with Antonio Reeves. I think if you just have the two fifth-year guys out there, I honestly don't really care who you plug in after that because I think DJ, Rob, and Reed can all play the one. Um, and then you can kind of just fill out your wings from there, you know, or the front court from there. Uh, so I think as long as you've got Reeves and Mitchell on the floor, I think Kentucky's going to be you know, at least early on until we get, you know, some of the seven footers back. That the, Whenever those two are in, I'll feel confident. Um, whenever one of them is out or both of them are out, I will not feel as confident. But now, when uh, you give me a seven footer in there, yeah, then I'll I will a seven footer in there every time. Then I'm good with a, a Justin Edwards slotting to the four, especially if he rebounds the way that he has been. We yeah. saw him get active in the glass in the blue-white game. We saw it again in the exhibition. And then you're talking Reed, Dillingham, Reeves. You, you still got DJ. Like, good things happen when Reed Shepard enters basketball games. Yeah. And I, I know I did go back and watch Jimmy Docks loves Reed Shepard. Like, holy cow. Like, I don't know if anyone – I mean, I know Dick Vitale loves Reed Shepard, you know, and, and things. I've talked to, to Dick a couple of times about, about Reed and texted back and forth and, and things about this roster. But – I don't know if anybody loves Reed Shepard more than Jimmy Docks loves Reed Shepard. Hey, that's fine with me. If he wants to bump him up, you know, get him some playing time. If he wants to be that guy that, that gets him on the on the floor, that's fine with me because I think Reed has to play. I think we Reed will play because he's going to be impossible to keep off the floor. Um, let's go here. Uh, let's just kind of slide on down here. We got uh, Bagel McCoy doesn't have any questions. He wanted us to know that. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Bagel McCoy at all, Sean. You are okay. Good. Uh, let's see here. Ooh, here's a good one from Wildcat's Tongue. How would you hide our defensive issues in the paint on a personnel level? How would you hide it on an X's and O level? That's a coach question. Yeah, that's that's tough right now because there there obviously is going to be some some defensive efficiencies given that they don't have that length at the rim. So from a backcourt perspective here, when it comes to Kentucky guarding the basketball, 
you don't have the security in your mind as a defender knowing that there's a seven footer lurking near the rim that can go up and, and make a block or, you know, block a shot at the rim. So as a defender, Zach, you, you're probably, there's more pressure on you to guard the basketball. If you're DJ Wagner, if you're Rob Dillingham, if you're, you're Justin Edwards or whoever these guys are guarding the basketball, there's a lot more pressure on you to lock your man down. No, no middle, however Kentucky plays it defensively. I think that that, in turn, is actually going to make this team a better defensive team as they get into January because there's going to have to be more of an emphasis on how they guard the ball. Mm-hmm. When they get these seven-footers back and they get a shot blocker, there were times that Cal was like, I don't care if you get beat off the bounce because no, it's it's funneling it down into our length and we're going to block a shot off the glass or we're going to make a play with our length and we're going to start transition. So having that security blanket there on the back end gives these guys more confidence. They don't have it right now, which then requires them to be more attention to detail and defending and having a commitment there. I think from an overall standpoint, from X's and O's, I want to see how they choose to double when they get against a uh, Hunter Dickinson, how they play that. And then to be a really good help defensive team. Yeah. You've got to have great help. And I think that this team has guys that, Maybe not necessarily on-ball defenders, but I think has the potential to be very good help defenders. They've got yeah. some length. Justin Edwards has length to get in passing lanes. You know, Duthiero got some length. We were seeing some steals and stuff there. I, they've got pieces, but I want to see more on-court action against opponents and how they kind of scheme up what they're wanting to do defensively and, and what the game plan is, especially against Kansas here in a couple of weeks. But they'll navigate those concerns – there is some concern with Trey defending and things yes. there for sure. I think the trade-off there is how well does he shoot the ball, how well does he rebound, other mm-hmm. things there. Does Kentucky get active and get after it with this backcourt a little bit more where they don't have size? Do they do they trap? Do they run some full-court pressure? Do they mix some things up? guys to do that too. I think DJ and Reed are perfect guys to press the guy, press opposing guards in the backcourt. And, and that's the other thing I'm watching. How creative does Cal get? over the next couple of weeks defensively because when you get into next week, you're going to see the competition level picks up, even though it's, it's, it's not a power five opponent. It is D one guys that can knock down shots, can make plays. I want to see what Kentucky does there over the next couple of weeks, but a great question there. Anything else you want to get to before we do a quick takeaway? Or um, a quick review? Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll put my two cents in on that uh, question because me and that Brandon Ramsey were even talking with uh, a guy on KS board or, or girl uh, asking about, um, you know, kind of how do they approach defense? And, and my thing is I want them to – I think this is a switch everything type thing. I think you, or team, you, you want to switch everything. You want to – because you've got, like you said, you've got length. You've got guards that are all kind of the same size. Um, that limits some of the, the breakdowns on the ball too. Yes, and, and I think I think I, like DJ, uh, he's a guy that can blow up a ball screen. Uh, Reed is a guy that can blow up a ball screen. Um, so if you do even need to, you know, kind of fight through, I think that they can make that work. But I do think that switching everything is where they're going to uh, really mask some of their issues. Um, you know, we were talking, Cal was talking about how, you know, Trey Mitchell had four or five, three blocks, four blocks, whatever it was um, in that last game. And that, you know, Justin and Adu can come over. I think to a point, I think that that'll – That'll be the case uh, that, you know, you can ha- kind of have those wings help and, and defend the rim a little bit. But it's going to be a lot different against Kansas than Georgetown College. Like Justin Edwards is not going to be nearly as success- successful sliding over to try and block a Hunter Dickinson shot um, as he is against, you know, the 6'5 center that Georgetown College rolled out. 
Um, but I do think, yeah, in Trey's defenses, it's going to be an issue. But that's where I think that you're going to just – everyone's going to have to be on the same page. Team defense, like you were saying, that's the biggest thing for me. Like, if this team can slide and be all on one page, I think they really can be a very good defensive team overall. Individually, I don't think there's – honestly, I don't think there's, like, a good defender, individual defender on this team right now. I don't know if that's a hot take to say, but I wouldn't say that there is a good – individual defender on this team right now team defense wise i think they all have the size speed and athleticism to slide switch do all the things necessary it's just going to be kind of getting some of those guys to buy in the freshmen to be on the same page to not because that's you know that's an that's every possession type thing um like you've got it you've got to be keen on every single possession so um if that's you know that those are just my thoughts. I was just spewing things out well, there. Well, and, and here's another thing. So we're we're watching things defensively just because they don't have their interior there. But this is where by committee you have to rebound. You have to rebound. That is priority number one the next few weeks until you get a Bradshaw back or you get some size there to go on the interior. Now, one thing with Trey, he will be defending out of position, but it shouldn't be too many matchups that he has to play against guys that can just take him off the bounce. Like I'm, I'm expecting to, to be at the five there. There should be some, maybe some more confidence there that I think he can guard out on the perimeter there mm-hmm. it, with his primary matchup where if he was at West Virginia right now, he'd probably be playing the three. It's yeah. probably what he would have been. And he's playing the five right now at UK. Mm-hmm. And then we'll slide to the four if there's a Bradshaw or someone there. So overall team defense, Team help. I think that that's going. To, this is going to be a very good team def- defending team. Like I just overall, like maybe, like you said, that's another side of roles. We we don't know who they're going to play through late. If they need to run some action to get a three pointer offensively, we know that it's going to be Antonio Reeves coming off something. Mm-hmm. If they need a bucket getting downhill, who do they draw it up for? Is it DJ? Like I, I don't know. Same thing can be said on the defensive end. Who is their guy that draws the best assignment on the perimeter mm-hmm. defensively? I, I don't know. I don't know yet, and we'll we'll find that out here over the next few weeks. One quick takeaway or anything you're looking for with Kentucky State on Thursday. I know we went a little long here, but just something um, quick. They still have uh, Chris Livingston, Chris Livingston's uh, brother, twin brother, I believe, uh, who redshirted last year, Cordell Livingston. So I don't know if we'll actually see him or not this time. They also have uh, Azeel Blackwell, who went to Henry Clay. Uh, he's now a sophomore, but I remember watching him. Um, multiple times. I think Dave Henry Clay went to the state tournament one year and we got to see him play. He was a really solid player, a uh, local kid. So he'll be a guy that really wants to come in and, and kind of have some fun with this game. Um, it looks like everyone else is mostly out of state guys. Um, but, you know, I just kind of, we just, it's the same stuff as the last game. Like you just want to see, you prefer to not see another slow start. You know, you would prefer to see Kentucky wake up and understand that, all right, Kentucky State's going to do the exact same thing that Georgetown College did. They're going to come out and they're going to try and be extra aggressive with you and knock you off your spot early and hope that they can rattle you enough to make things interesting at halftime. So if Kentucky can kind of you know, push back on that and, and maybe lead by 10, 15 points at halftime, I think that would be a, a very you know, promising improvement from, from exib- exhibition to exhibition. But overall, you know, I, I, again, I don't want Kentucky State to score 80 points. I'd like to see Kentucky you know, shoot up 33s. That's kind of, you know, I think that's how the offense is going to have to run, uh, at least early on. So those, those are just some of the minor things I'll be looking for. But, you know, otherwise it's – exhibition game here so yeah we're not louisville that's and, i mean it's uh, not to worry about losing shout out to an assistant coach on our staff coach fee felix wilson he played at kentucky state 
there you a go. few years ago. And uh, I know he'll be in attendance with me uh, after practice. He's going to make it over as well. So I'm, I think the thing that I'm looking for, you know, Connor, I believe it was Connor's question there, brought up uh, the lineup combinations and things. I want to see, and I want to then look back, because then we'll have 80 minutes of basketball yeah. that we can kind of look at and see where cows went and things. Justin Edwards, does he look more comfortable with the ball, making plays? Does DJ Wagner settle in and have a game? Is it Rob again, or is it someone else in the backcourt? Does Trey Mitchell shoot the ball the way he did in the opener? There, there's so many things to, to look for here, but to me it's consistency. Yeah, Consistency yeah. across the board. How do they defend? How do they rebound? Because that's going to be the focal point, I think, going into the next few weeks is, is how do they rebound. But regardless, basketball's here. The final tune-up for Kentucky, Kentucky, Kentucky State, Thursday night at Rupp Arena before the season opener next Monday at Rupp Arena. Zach, enjoyed it again. My brother, let's uh, let's get out of here. How can tell tell fans where and they can well, follow all your stuff? This is this is your favorite moment. You love you love diving into it. My favorite. So yeah, you can follow me uh, as always on uh, Kentucky Sports Radio, part of the beautiful On Three Network. We're just thriving and 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 driving over there, whatever uh, combinations of rhymes you want to use. But if you want to follow me personally, uh, I'm on Twitter at zgagan ksr. Gagan is G E O G H E G A N. That is the triple G. Um, whenever I go to restaurants, my girlfriend likes to make fun of me for this. Whenever I go to restaurants and I say my reservation, I just say. They say, what's the last name? Oh, I say it's it's uh, Gagan, G-E-O. And just, you know, say the first three letters, let them get that in. And then, then it usually clicks by then. So ridiculous last name. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Zach Gagan, KSR, on YouTube, websites, wherever. Well, Zach, I've I've enjoyed the last couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, and, and and getting through the, the blue-white games and, and the exhibition schedule. And uh, Kentucky basketball is here. I'll be seeing a lot of you. Starting, uh, well, saw you last week. I'll be seeing a lot of you after Thursday on. And uh, definitely looking forward to it. Uh, you can follow me on X, formerly Twitter, at GBB Country. He's Zach Gagan. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on another jam-packed episode of Source to Say.